Hey there, before I kick into this podcast, I wanted to just do a quick uh, promotion, which ends up being a little bit of a self-promotion. And that's for the new adventure on DM's Guild called Trap Trap by my friend Jean Lorber. I feel like kobolds are the deadly comedic relief of the D&D world, and that's used to great effect in Trap Trap. It includes, not surprisingly, a ton of traps, but they're a little gonzo created by kobolds, but also monsters, and there's a number of challenges that are, are very practical puzzles that the party has to solve in order to get through it. It's the type of thing where they could fight their way through, but they can also think their way through. So I think what John came up with is really amazing, and I'm really really proud of having been able to help him even in just a minor editorial capacity, but this one's pretty cool, so check it out on the DMs Guild if you have a moment. And now today's topic, how to seed long-term story arcs. The X-Files was must-watch TV for me at one point, but then it wasn't. I actually reversed on the X-Files so completely that I don't even consider it when thinking of the best sci-fi shows of all time. Whether you like X-Files or not, the point for me is that at some point, I think after the show resumed post the first feature film, I became certain that Chris Carter, the show's runner, was making it all up as he went along. There was no master plan. His formula was to build up to some dramatic reveal and then pull back so that the characters could continue with their weekly show format. The X-Files presented a story arc that it never paid off, and worse, never could pay off. Despite that, I understand. This is perhaps one of the hardest things to do as a storyteller. To set up a big expectation and then pay it off in a way that feels fulfilling. This is why so many TV shows, books, and movies have unfulfilling endings. I think it applies to RPGs. Perhaps it's even harder for RPGs, but that should stop us from trying. In this episode, long story arcs. Setting them up and, hopefully, paying them off. This is Anatomy of a Campaign. One of my players is building their own campaign to run, and they asked if there was any good advice for running longer story arcs in an RPG. So firstly, what the heck is a longer story arc? Simply put, it is the structure of any narration, beginning, middle, conclusion. It kicks off with the central dramatic question, something like, will Luke become a Jedi Knight like his father before him? Uh, then this arc supports our journey as the desired answer to that question is placed in jeopardy and ultimately delivers an answer in the form of a climax. But this is not really what modern audiences mean when we say dramatic arc. Today we mean what is the central dramatic arc. Over time, stories have become much more complex and ask more than one question, often many more questions. Will Han Solo be redeemed? Will Luke get the princess? Han will be redeemed, and thankfully we are 90% sure all Luke and Leah do is share a closed-mouth kiss. 90% sure. My god, we were so innocent. But beyond even subplots, many story forms are not constrained to a single book or movie. The MCU just wrapped up its first main arc across approximately 10,000 films or something like that. And the first inkling of that long plot is not introduced until the first Thor movie. 
which I believe is two or three films into the series. The point being, in complicated story systems like ongoing role-playing campaigns, there can be recurring themes that build over time and only become important or pay off many sessions or even, theoretically, years later. We must first go through origin stories and follow-up adventures, all aimed at slowly building the world and its bigger challenges, before we get to the complex story that delivers the conclusion. What structures or tools are available to help build this within an RPG? I'm going to talk about fronts from Dungeon World, timing of a long arc, and the most wonderful of tactics, cheating. My go-to advice for long dramatic arcs are the fronts as they are described in Dungeon World. I believe they are originally defined in Apocalypse World, but that is a game I'm not intimately familiar with, so apologies if I'm misassigning credit. Fronts are designed to do exactly this in very broad stroke. Used properly, I believe fronts can deliver a satisfying slow burn and payoff that does not also require a railroad. And that's the trick, because there is no plan you can devise that the players cannot destroy. You have a mini taste of what it's like to be a god who wants his mortal worshippers to possess free will. If you let them do whatever they want, well then they are likely, at least some of the times, probably a lot more of the times, to not do what you want them to do. So you nudge them or influence them to do what you want. I'm no theologian, but take a look at the world. Do you think any amount of nudging has led us in the right direction on what could, under the most generous of terms, be considered consistent? And when does your nudging become railroading? The fronts flip this free will and God problem on its head. They say, don't care about what the players do. You've given them free will, and you must adhere to it. Then show them portents of the dangers on the horizon. Fronts are designed to tell you what happens if the players don't do what you quote-unquote want them to do. How will things get worse if this front is left unaddressed? Using my campaign as an example, one front would be Gods of Old Etheria. Following the front system from Dungeon World, it would be structured as follows. Note, I'll have a link to fronts and to this write-up in the description and on my subreddit. Front name, Gods of Old Etheria. Danger number one. The Faithful of Semyana, an ambitious religious organization. Its impulse, to establish and follow doctrine. They have taken large parts of Etheria, including the Old Capital and the Oasis at Salvation. They seek to follow the fallen angel Semyana as he ascends to godhood. Grim portents. These are the, if left unchecked, things that will happen in order. First, they'll gain a foothold of influence in Outpost 9. This has come to pass following the wake of the Kraken attack. Portent number two. I feel like I'm saying porpoise. The glamorous life of the podcaster. Portent number two. The return of real clerics with divine power. This too has come to pass. We've passed these two milestones within the danger coming to full fruition. Portent number three. Invasion of the Rootlands. I wouldn't say this has come to pass, but this has really begun. Obviously with the, the falling of one of the bastions and the faithful of Semyana pushing into the heart of old Etheria. And the final fourth portent. Consecration of the new temple and establishment of the nation of Semya in place of Etheria. 
that's the last one. So the third portent has really started up. The fourth is yet to come, but we're pretty far along the path. And then the last thing within this danger involving the faithful of Semyana is the impending doom tyranny. The second danger within this this larger front is kingdom of the ghouls, a horde of undead. Its impulse is to spread. This is a faction that the followers of Semyana have allied themselves with, at least at the highest levels. They've been striking from underground in the form of risings. The first, portents. The risings shift from zombies to ghouls. This has already happened. We've already seen this. The second portent. Towns in the rootlands begin to disappear. This is happening now. The party prevented the town of Red Road from one such vanishing. So these first two of the four portents have come to pass. Third, an army of ghouls takes the field to aid the followers of Semyana. Now, technically, that did start to happen, but the party prevented it. This is this is an important thing within the front, right? While this has started to happen, they, they've prevented it to some degree by helping to defeat an army of ghouls. And then lastly, the ghoul king is crowned as the leader of what was once Etheria. What? This is something extremely dangerous within this larger front, right? The, the ghouls themselves. Their impending doom is pestilence, the spread of sickness and disease. Mortals are now cattle for the kingdom of the dead. The point is that the fronts are there like waiting doors or waiting pianos to fall on your head. The party can look through that door, walk through and deal with what's on the other side, or they can ignore it and go do something else. There is another front that the party has dealt with, however. The last big adventure was against Agoramaya. It was a front called Rise of the Serpent God. The danger involved the hag Goramaya stealing the Balnexicon, the taking of Borlane, the consecration of the temple, Agoramaya becoming the hag Naga, and, if the party had not intervened, the destruction of the southeastern rootlands as Vizuki returned to the world. There's a bit more to fronts, and the design allows for adventure-level fronts as well. As I said, I'll provide a link to the Dungeon World SRD in the liner notes. Check it out. It's an amazing game, and the fronts are clearly illustrated. There is an art to the long dramatic arc. In many ways, it is a long con, requiring discipline and patience. Timing is everything. Don't reveal too much too soon. And don't reveal too little. To hook your players, you want to set things up just right. Firstly... There is no point in a long dramatic arc unless there is some element of mystery. The heroes do not start off knowing all the answers. Usually there are alarming signals of trouble, clues which will come into clearer focus later when more clues come to life. While I can't call it 100% necessary, the best long arcs have a twist as their second step. These seemingly connected clues eventually come together in a meaningful way, and the goal of the heroes shifts from one thing to another. That shift is most dramatic when it's a reversal. A classic trope is for a major ally to be revealed as the villain. Perhaps the PCs have been doing this ally's bidding, and now they realize they've been working for the bad guys. The last part is, just like in Marvel, the endgame. 
the real goal is known and the heroes race to accomplish it. If you think of it, the long arc is still following the classic dramatic structure, beginning, middle, end, and it is happening across multiple stories or adventures. There may be side quests or detours, but ultimately things come back to the long arc. Even tangentially, these detours all serve the main plot. So there's a mystery or mysteries, a dramatic shift or a full reversal, and the race to completion. For long arcs, the trick in the beginning is to not kick off a do-or-die response. You want to build slowly and pose distinct things to the players which are memorable but more curious than actionable. To say that more plainly, you don't want to put in front of them an immediate threat that requires, that demands that they do something about that. These are just hints, clues, things that they can't really follow up directly on, but things which will stick in their mind and stand as references in the future when new and, and more compelling clues come to light. A treasure map that is clearly accessed through the potion store's basement is likely to be pursued immediately. Part of a treasure map that they can't follow, actually, is tucked away for future reference. This can be an eerie symbol on a dungeon wall, or a mysterious spy who kills themselves rather than be caught, or a side quest with a frustrating dead end. What you're doing is seeding future revelations. And by the way, it's best to know what those revelations might be and work backward to construct the pieces to your puzzle. Is it easy? Hell no. But we're not in the business of easy. And if you think about it, we're building towards that dramatic shift or reversal. These clues will lead to that revelation. But before we get there, I want to talk about the other stories in your campaign. The long game means the characters are either on another seemingly obvious quest or just looking to kill things and take their stuff. Maybe they're helping quell the orc rising across the land and that leads to a number of missions which don't really have anything to do with the long arc. This off mission is as important as the long story. It represents the world the characters believe they are in. It is the ground beneath their feet. The most classic terra firma you can set is the form of a mentor. Obi-Wan, Gandalf, Morpheus, these wizards all helped anchor the heroes of their story and made them feel, if not safe, confident in their world. For your game, this will be the allies of the PCs, or the beacons of their world. Those people who are responsible for society, the NPCs, organizations, locations, what have you, that identify for the players what is the norm. These stories need to be told. So while they are seeing clues about the vampire cult, they should still have adventures which do not directly tie into that story. There could be more clues that come up, but the main point in tone should be different from the long arc. Through these stories, you are building the world, giving the players something to care about, allowing them to forge alliances, and see where things stand. At some point, the rug is pulled out from under them. This is the dramatic shift. They have gathered enough of the puzzle or met the right person or opened the right magic door. It doesn't matter. But now what they thought they knew is to some degree wrong. It can be as extreme or modest as you like, but their handhold on the way of things must now be in doubt to some degree. It can be as simple as the reveal of an enemy more powerful than the king's army, or as extreme as discovering they are not who they thought they were. 
From here, the story accelerates. Those not urgent clues suddenly become a ticking time bomb. The challenge before the players is now the quest. From here, it stops being a half-glimpsed tease and simply becomes the central adventure. If this all feels impossible to wrangle, given the nature of an RPG, how can you possibly throw out disparate threads of mystery and bring it all together in a coherent and complete finale? And you're right. It's impossible. The only way to do it is to cheat. Maybe cheating is a harsh term, but the key thing a GM must do is amend their story as they go along to fit the needs of the players and adapt to their choices. It would be like a mystery author who changes the murderer midway through the book because the reader guessed the answer too easily. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about with an overview of how the Temple at Borland adventure worked itself into existence in my game. Call to the Wizard was seeking the Balnexicon, an ancient tome of dread power. Mir, our druid, had a connection to a trio of hags. I invented a fourth hag, Agoramaya, who stole the Balnexicon. My goal at the time was to invest multiple players into a quest. A very basic front erupts into being. An arcane adversary, Agoramaya, has an evil book and she's going to do something with it. I listen to too much Matt Colville and go dig up the old adventure against the cult of the reptile god, which I ran as a kid but had forgotten about. I change the town from Orlane to Borlane, and voila. I have an adversary and a destination, and pretty much that's it. Because getting there is half the battle. So much so that along the way, Calda is eaten by a crocodile, and now we have to introduce a new character. Jarrus is born, and now I have to think about how to introduce him. Okay, side quest. They need him to forge documents of transit so they can openly travel across the Rootlands. But also, he knows of a small dungeon in the local mine. I innocently add this, expecting it to be a one, maybe one and a half session adventure. But things get out of hand, shockingly. Voss embraces shadow power, then rejects Semyana and via improvisation instead, as one does, kills herself to avoid corruption and makes direct contact with the Morrigan. None of this was intended. But it happened. So now, recovering the book becomes really about the War of the Gods. Additionally, if they consecrate the temple, they can resurrect Voss. Let me pause here, because this is an important pivot point for the campaign. Until this point, everything was about treasure. The party was just moving from place to place, taking stuff and killing what was in their way. This is where it elevates taps into that campaign backdrop, and becomes about very weighty issues like the gods, the future of the world, and what the party is all about at its soul. Was the Balnexicon supposed to tie into this larger story? No. But it presented a real opportunity to stitch my exploding campaign back together. It could easily have been a find the hag, kill her and take the Balnexicon and her treasure adventure. Instead, the temple has to be buffed up and the dangers change to be about things like the destruction of a chunk of Rootlands. I changed my intentions based on what happened in the campaign. I jumped on opportunities based on the decisions the characters made. I think I kept the same trajectory, and I hope I avoided anything out of order, if not strictly by the book. More simply stated, the plan was to find and fight a hag, but in the end, they found and fought the emissary of a rising god who happened to be a hag. 
because that had more dramatic punch based on what happened along the way. I changed those things that existed outside of what the players already knew in order to make it better. So if, as you are working on your Uber plot, the players do or say something that would be cool to integrate, even if you had not intended that from the beginning, you should add it. Do not, however, overdo this. If the players figure out a mystery, you should let them win that intellectual challenge more often than you change it to make it harder. You should do that way, way more. You should let them have the win. For me, this is more of an additive process. It is more yes and than it is no because. Player, I think the Duke is the vampire. DM, ugh, no, they figured it out too soon. Now it's the Duke's brother. That's less interesting, I think, than DM. Yes, the Duke is the vampire. And he was turned by the vampire head of the Thieves' Guild, so there's another lair. I don't think you can craft an expert story without rolling with what the players give you along the way, retconning your plans and adapting it to the reality of the moment. In the end, the story world will resonate with them more, and they'll think you're a genius, though likely evil, which is the best kind of genius. Doing all of this well comes with practice. Does that mean if you are new, you should not try this stuff? Hell no. Go for it. But know that you will be iterating. Like anything, your first attempts will not be so great. Do not get disheartened. You have to get it under your belt. Give it your best shot. When you do, with things as abstract as developing long-term story arcs, you'll learn the approach that's right for you. But if you don't get started, you'll never get there. So don't hold back. Keep your wits about you and know when to call it and move on to the next thing. Iterate the process and use what you learn along the way. This has been Anatomy of a Campaign. Remember, your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. Thank you for listening.